Boycotts, elections, school shootings, waves of illegal immigrants, riots, pandemics, foreign wars, inflation. The political battles cycle past us so rapidly it can be difficult to focus on any given event. Journalists write feverish articles and pundits voice their outrage, drawing media attention to the crisis of the week. Whenever the public consciousness focuses on any given event, politicians feel the need to weigh in or even take superficial action before the next current thing captures the mind of the electorate. This quick succession means that the public rarely notices whether any real change took place before it moves on to the next crisis. That's why the political right is so easily contained. Conservatives tend to focus on the issues in the news cycle instead of securing the kind of structural victories that can be built upon over time. I kind of doubt that I'm shattering anyone's illusions at this point, but American political power no longer operates in the manner that you learned about in high school civics class. The idea that persuasive arguments win out in the marketplace of ideas and organically alter public opinion until politicians are forced to take meaningful action is laughable at this point. In truth, public opinion is shaped by the constant consumption of mass media, which is controlled almost entirely by the left. This frames the boundaries of every political discussion. Now don't get me wrong, those in the media aren't omnipotent. There are events beyond their command that they have to react to. But progressive journalists generally get to control the level of attention and duration of focus that news items will receive. While the media ushers the public's collective attention from one crisis to the next, they also vest different institutions with the authority to resolve those issues. And this is where real power lies. The American political system is no longer confined to three branches of government as the Constitution's framers intended, which is why it feels like the Constitution no longer restricts the government's power. Political power in the United States now functions as a distributed bureaucratic oligarchy with different expert institutions acting as nodes in a network operated by the ruling class. Universities, social media, and news organizations shape public opinion while NGOs, financial institutions, and unelected government bureaucracies create public policy. These institutions dictate American politics, setting the terms by which elected representatives must play. Each one represents a castle from which the left can project power despite the ebbs and flows of the democratic process. The left don't like to lose elections, but they never really have to worry about losing significant ground in the political game because at the end of the day, they fortified these different outposts of power, and there's no way that a single elected representative or even president is going to actually erode their position. If those on the right wish to secure meaningful victories, they must stop chasing whatever issue the media dangles before them and instead focus on capturing castles for themselves. While senators, representatives, and even presidents come and go, institutions endure through every election cycle, and those strongholds allow the accumulation of enduring political power. Progressives recognized this long ago and began their long march through the institutions with the goal of securing these castles so that they would always be able to govern no matter the outcome of elections. This idea has finally broken into the mainstream conservative space under the name of the Deep State. 
a recognition of the perpetual unelected governmental bureaucracy that wields far more power than any single elected official. Recognition of the deep state is a good thing, but the right needs to expand its understanding of power far beyond the official government channels to include the soft power of media, education, and financial institutions. In a guest appearance on my show, the political theorist Curtis Yarvin pointed out that while the right obsesses over individual issues, the left instead focuses on securing power so that they can impose their will on whatever issues arise. Yarvin believes that political will is a finite resource and that it should be used to capture castles, not chase media-driven trends. Real political victories are those that secure power and make future victories more likely. Electoral victories can be important, but only to the extent that they make substantive structural changes to the wider apparatus that actually governs the United States. Fortunately, we don't need to speculate on what capturing a castle would look like, as we have a perfect example in Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. Progressives have relied on hegemonic control of information distribution in the United States, and Musk's purchase of the social media website breaks that monopoly. Twitter isn't just another social media website. It's the place where regime journalists came to craft the narrative that they would push through other outlets. While other platforms command larger user bases, Twitter wields an outsized influence over the chattering class, which in turn sets the public discussion. Many have questioned how right-wing Musk truly is, but his willingness to remove many of the key censorship restrictions on Twitter has already had a huge impact on the right's ability to shape the public discourse. Musk's purchase of Twitter is easily the most substantial political victory the right has secured in a long time, and it was achieved without casting a single vote. Twitter is a castle, a fortification from which the right can impact the public narrative even as censorship on other social media platforms intensifies. The purchase of Twitter also fulfills Yarvin's conditions for a real victory because it makes future victories more likely. By giving the right a stable platform from which to organize and influence public opinion, Musk has ensured that conservatives will have the tools necessary to acquire power in the future. Conservative activist Christopher Rufo understands how to wield these tools effectively and which targets to direct them toward. By using consistent and relentless messaging, Rufo has focused attention on the plagiarism accusations surrounding former Harvard President Claudine Gay, who tendered her resignation on Tuesday. While it's unlikely that conservatives will retake Harvard anytime soon, by applying significant public pressure, Rufo has worked to discredit the authority of the DEI regime that Gay represents and the prestige commanded by elite universities. If you can't take an enemy castle, the next best thing is to reduce or destroy its power. By focusing its political capital on the kinds of victories that Musk and Rufo have secured, the right can become far more effective at acquiring the power necessary to change America's trajectory for the better. Thanks for watching, guys. If you enjoyed this video, go ahead and click like. And if you haven't subscribed yet, now is a great time to do so. If you'd like to get these broadcasts as podcasts, 
make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to the Oren McIntyre Show on your favorite podcast platform. And when you do, make sure you go ahead and give a rating or review. That really helps with the algorithm magic. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter or Gab or Substack, if you'd like to watch these videos on Rumble or Odyssey, the links to do all of that are down below in the description. And of course, you can watch all of my videos and read all of my columns over at The Blaze. Thanks for watching, guys. And as always, I'll talk to you next time.